In season two of the Best of Health podcast, I am shining a spotlight on all of the life stages of women's health, from menarche to postmenopause. Topics covered will range literally from head to toe, addressing migraines to vaginal health and everything in between. My conversations are going to be with leading experts in their field, and we will tap into a deep well of knowledge and uncover an array of clinical pearls, which promise to be an illuminating and helpful support to your personal health journey. So grab a cuppa and join me this autumn for the Best of Health Season 2, Women's Health Uncovered. Welcome back to the Best of Health podcast season two. And today I am, as always, thrilled to have the wonderful Lorna Driver-Davies with me today. Um, my relationship with the lovely Lorna, I feel sort of, I feel like she's sort of a long lost sister, really. She is, we've collided so many times over the years, over the last decade um, at conferences, and we just have this utter love and passion for women's health. She is just the most intuitive, special woman to have on the podcast. She is a registered naturopathic nutritional therapist, and she's been practicing for over a decade. But to say that this is in her bones is an understatement. She comes from a family of naturopaths and herbalists, and she lives and breathes, she utterly lives and breathes this, um, this modality. And it is an absolute honor to have her on the podcast, especially as we have this season looking at a lens of women's health. And she is highly experienced in all gynecological nutritional areas, working with diagnoses and irregularities that are related to the menstrual cycle and hormones. Um, from basically from teen health right the way and puberty right the way through to uh, menopause and beyond and everything in between. Uh, she has her own uh, practice and she is head of nutrition at Wild Nutrition, which uh, is a fantastic synergy. So without further ado, welcome, lovely Lorna. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for that really, really lovely intro. You're so kind. And I feel very much the same about you. Thank you so Aww. much for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. So through this season, we've been uh, talking to various uh, specialists, friends, colleagues um, around through the lens of, of women's health. And uh, as I've just said to the listener, you are experienced in all life stages um, of women's health. But I really... Yes. Um, I really wanted to frame our chat today uh, very specifically around the beginning part of that, around sort of yeah. childhood and sort of into sort of supporting our teen girls and women uh, around sort of nutrition and their hormonal health. Um, so would you be able to give us a little intro on on sort of what that what what that means in terms of from a nutritional perspective because there's a there's a far greater need isn't there for nutrition yes so it's very fair to say although it's very underappreciated that the teenage years or adolescent years so let's be clear what that is adolescent years is you're really looking from say 10 years old through to 25 okay. and you know it's an underappreciated area because 
there's kind of an, an assumption that you know when you're a growing baby in the womb and then afterwards and then you know toddler and then childhood it feels like a very important time which of course it is I'm not taking away from that but what you see in terms of development in those adolescent years particularly in the teen years right. or say from 11 to 19 is this really rapid uh, change you know which is really really compressed so you haven't got many years to get a lot of really important stuff done to basically make you into this smaller kind of adult. And I think there's this kind of funny assumption that on one side, then, you know, the, the nutrition is an extension of childhood, which it's not. It's not a linear concept that suddenly you're just getting bigger and you're aiming to be an adult. Yeah. It's a really special, unique phase where there's a lot going on. And therefore, nutrition wise and lifestyle wise, um, you know, you know, you are actually needing more than you've ever needed at any other life stage. And if you can get that phase right, you have a great chance post 25 of having, you know, good health, good mental health, physical health, hopefully till you're a very old lady. <laughs> oh, that is that's fantastic. What a fantastic segue. Um, well, first explanation. Thank you. And segue into there's some areas there to really to really dive into so yeah yeah what would you say are the so in terms of the the foundations for setting healthy regular cycles for our for our young our young women for our adolescent women um and i guess and also that segues um or overlaps into our immune system which of course is is, is yeah. top of mind currently absolutely yeah yeah so you've got you know you've got a lot going on at that time mm -hmm. so you have the beginning of menarche so period starting mm -hmm. and um you know interestingly certainly i'm 38 so i remember when you know my peer groups i got my period at 13 you know lots yes. of girlfriends around that age Me too. what we're seeing these days now is an earlier beginning of periods and also you know mums and dads will start to notice early puberty sort of even earlier so I've actually kind of seen like almost budding breasts in sort of nine and a half ten years old or you can kind of look that the body's changing or body odor all things like that are happening or skin yeah. mm -hmm. even before the period is starting so interestingly for nutrition what we're then saying is you want to make sure that actually nutrition is good in childhood but you've got that twilight zone which is the kind of the bit before the onset of real puberty and for girls that's the beginning also of having periods right. that bit just before is important because actually when you're thinking about starting a period you've actually also got nutrient loss but also you've got all you know you've got all the essentially our body's like a big complex factory mm -hmm. all the kind of systems that are churning away to essentially create this concept of a menstrual cycle and get it all kind of going is complicated and, and requires nutrients and support etc so even just in those kind of like when kids are like eight nine ten i think those years need to also be really good if you're female because what's probably coming is a period earlier than say in my age group or your age group tanya yeah 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 that's yeah absolutely that's it yeah i know i know that with my 
so yeah, I'm 20 years, nearly <laughs> 20 years older than you. So I you look, you look, you look the same. You look amazing. You're gorgeous. <laughs> I think the screen's dark, but um, but yes, the same. I mean, certainly, uh, I didn't start my periods. I don't think I, started, I was 16. I remember very clearly being on a holiday in a, a toilet in Ibiza. <laughs> um, but yeah, my daughter's my daughter's uh, age group is sort of significantly younger, sort of sort of. Yeah, and, yeah. And so it is change, and that is a very energy. Your analogy is fantastic. Is that it's you? You imagine this. It's like the wheels are beginning to turn. It's like a factory yeah. that is, and that is a very energy demanding yes. uh, process. Is yeah. is is gearing up for that for that for that first menstrual cycle to then totally. continue, right? Yeah, and you know you've kind of got this funny split thing going on here where you've got obviously the brain performing its kind of original job of mm -hmm. getting that cycle going. And I'll talk about the cycle in a minute because it looks a bit different in your teenage years than it might do once it balances out and you get a bit older. Mm -hmm. But you've got the, you know, you've got the dual, the dual job here of also that the brain is going through rapid, rapid change. And teenage brains are utterly, utterly fascinating. And entire books are written about that. And actually even though research is not as strong as it could be for teenagers in comparison to other life stages, there are some, you know, amazing, um, you know, brain surgeons that I love reading about because all the research is so fascinating. So, you know, teenagers' brains are very excited, full-on action kind of place, but also there's things that are not happening. So that's why they, you know, that's why they're typical teenagers in that some things are fantastic and other things you're like, oh my gosh, why have they just done that? Why have they just said that? Why are they reacting like that? Sure. So you've got kind of a lot going on. So therefore, actually, when we're thinking about energy that you mentioned, you know, sleep, like essentially, what are we doing to support the brain so yes. that it can actually um, evolve properly, but also so that menstrual cycles can be, you know, starting properly and have a good chance of also, you know, being balanced kind of from the outset. So you've got the first couple of years when you get but when when your period starts, you will notice this um cycle is not that regular. So let's um, delve into that. And actually yeah. for the listener, so the the mens Lorna's talking about the brain, but the, the the very first trigger or the first switch to be flipped, if you like, that starts that communication is in the brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah, let's let's could you yeah. So, yeah, so actually let's take a very more extreme example. You know, if you have an unfortunate situation where you've got someone who is maybe 10 or 11 and they haven't got a very good um, home life or it's very stressful, you know, their nutrient intake is low, you could definitely argue that probably it will affect the onset of puberty and also what puberty looks like and how, you know, whether puberty looks like a fairly all right wave to ride or not, you know. Um, and that doesn't need to be that you're in some kind of deprived situation. You could have the best home life, but perhaps school is really stressful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so considering things, things like that. So for the first two years, the cycle is normal to be irregular. Yep. Uh, these days, by the way, they will say that they think that 15 is like 16 is the kind of medical cutoff for have you had a period and, and if you haven't. But because 15 is such an average, it actually gets brought down to that. Okay. So if, if you have a daughter that hasn't had a period, I would say by 15 or 15 and a half, get them obviously checked out, you know, visit your doctor, also talk to, to a nutritionist as well, naturopath. Um, and so the first two years are less regular. So what you tend to see is, you know, longer cycles. You can also see heavier bleeding. 
because it's also normal for ovulation to not be happening yet. Yep. So you know, ovulation for, for, you know, for us, once we're kind of, you know, getting older is, well, two things, what's well, lots of things, but to keep it simple, it's the way that we can obviously conceive. Yeah. But also, Tanya, you and I know that ovulation in itself is this amazing thing that, that provides us also with hormones like progesterone that we really need. And God. it's hard work. It's it's yeah. always hard work to make. It's, it's, it's easier for us to make oestrogen. It's much harder for us to make progesterone. Make progesterone. Yeah. Progesterone also is, you know, easily whacked over the head by all sorts of things that happen in life. And oestrogen's a bit of a bossy, a bossy lady. Yeah. <laughs> out way, you know, so so what you're you know so it's so it's normal not to see see ovulation or she might have one one month and not the next and that's kind of normal if you're seeing periods that are incredibly like long or really yeah. long sections of heavy bleeding that needs to be looked into because obviously with heavy bleeding you're getting nutrient loss and the thing about teens the best analogy is they're like the worst financial situation so as much as you're putting money into the bank account it's being pulled out at the end and it's like it's like this. So actually, as parents, you know, and carers are wanting to put goodness in because it's going to get sucked out like that the whole time, rather than say, you know, you and I, Tanya, where we're thinking, okay, I want to top up a certain nutrient. The nutrient loss is probably a lot less in terms of that. Um, okay, and so that, that makes complete sense. So again, to yeah. to, to, to summarize, and um, you've just used an analogy that I've I. Uh, that we sort of talk about a lot is that the establishment or it's it's so it's a bit like a it's a bit like learning to drive really yeah. is that actually there's a lot of when our girls start their periods and start their cycles they literally bunny hop down the road because yeah. they're learning they're, they're learning to drive yeah. and it will take it will take some it will take some time for that to become a smooth a regular cycle for them and it doesn't have to be bang on 28 days but it no. it will take a little while to learn yeah. how to learn how to drive that road yeah yeah but um interestingly when i have conversations with parents over the years you know you, you need to get a balance of you're expecting it to be kind of irregular but also if it starts to look like it's going outside the boundaries of that you should yes. check things out so Tanya, you know I work a lot with endo, endometriosis as a speciality area. I'm very fascinated with early diagnosis of endo in teens because obviously and PCOS as well. Because because if you can catch that at that point, even though it's going to be distressing and stressful to get a diagnosis like that at that age, you have so much of a better chance of sorting things out on the conventional side and the and the kind of alternative side of you know as well yes. so that you're not going to end up like a i don't know 33 year old lady yes. who finds out she has endo she's had awful awful years of periods because also by the way well and maybe i'm getting ahead but there is a narrative slightly that also that you're supposed to have painful heavy periods and hate your cycle for years and years all the way through adolescence like as if that's normal and I kind of want to break that narrative away. Absolutely, so, yeah. I, yeah. You do get, you can get more likely to get painful periods in adolescence because of the way the immune system is changing. So teenagers are slightly more inflamed all the time, which is kind of normal because it's part of the processes of them developing. Yes. But also when we're thinking about the immune system and we're thinking about how that relates to period pain, yeah, um, this is where modifications can, can be put in place. But this is also where things like them eating well and getting sleep 
and not adding more things into the diet that are, are inflammatory are going to be kind of important and the tricky thing is that's a lot harder with teens all of those things yes and it is when you have an eight-year-old child because you can control all their food yes. and what time they go to bed and if they've gone to a friend's house you probably knew what they ate or they did yeah so that's the tricky thing is like you know teens will come across like they've got their you know life together and they're very mature and articulate all these things that are fantastic and it kind of tricks you into thinking well they're kind of all right I don't need to do it's like no you actually probably need to look after them more than when they were little if that makes sense yeah it really does it, it really does it really does so in your when you you mentioned that 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 sort of it's very there's a it's very energy demanding and yeah. we're also losing uh nutrients both through just the process of the energy that is demanded but yeah. also the, the obvious is the bleed so yeah. what what do you see as the key sort of vitamins and um well the nutrients both vitamins and minerals and maybe the nutrients that are foundational for you when you are when you're when you're looking at this type of, of cohort yeah so uh funny enough I, i'm gonna start with the thyroid actually because it's oh, a bit of an untouched well yes i know it's a bit of an un untouched subject and i think that sometimes again the thyroid health is looked at as this thing that your thyroid just does its own thing until it goes really wrong which we need to get away from that and you know in in soils worldwide we know we're low in, in nutrients that are fundamental for the for, for, for the thyroid like selenium and iodine mm -hmm. and actually in puberty the thyroid is really really critical yes. and that's where you can actually start to see thyroid issues developing so again if you have the right nutrition early on you have a good chance of also because also there's that there's this interrelationship between thyroid function and also the menstrual cycle so if the thyroid's working like it should we can yep. take a good guess in saying menstruation should be, you know, healthy. And actually a low functioning thyroid will create uh, lower levels of progesterone, yes. difficulty in ovulating, uh, you know, high levels of estrogen and also difficulties in also clearing old hormones. Because we know the thyroid is obviously one of one of its big jobs is metabolism and how quick or fast things are done. And if you think it's pretty busy dealing with you growing skeleton, and getting yes. a big brain and all this stuff going on and longer legs and all that yes. then it's important that those nutrients are in which is why to begin with a kind of nutrient list i think uh multivitamins are really crucial for teens yes that's got a little bit of iodine in that's yeah. got vitamin, vitamin yeah. a, zinc yes and mm. actually interestingly one thing to say is that a lot of the nutrients that are used for growth and development and for energy are sequestered into energy production or, or the skeleton and the brain. And then then maybe not left over so much for other functions like, you know, a menstrual cycle, because again, the body will kind of, you know, prioritize probably bone growth over that ovulation. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I had never thought of it in that way, but of course yeah. it makes sense. I mean, and I forever say, well, the, the body will, the body will prioritize, well, yeah, reproduction is going to be at the bottom of the chain um yeah. if there's if there's too much stress around of course not yeah. having the right amount of nutrients is a stress exactly so i so we kind of know we we know very much so that at this time if very sadly your your lovely child is going to develop some kind of mental health issue that's around that time because and i'll, I'll get to my point in a second but the nutrients that i say going into the bones are also say nutrients that you need for a healthy cycle so actually my point is is that are you having to put a lot more of those things back in so actually so things like zinc 
that yep. is going into the bones will also be important for mental health but also will be important for you know uh, hormone balance so this is you know so so you this is why you've got to get things like minerals in really decently you know vitamin d is going to be fundamental so again vitamin d is kind of people always think it's just the immune system well when we say just the immune system we are thinking of it, its major role in calming down inflammation for modulating that and again I, as i said earlier teens are always more like to be a bit inflamed but also vitamin d is critical for anything gynae related so you know the menstrual cycle so your teen needs to have good levels of thyroid nutrients good levels of bone nutrients like calcium magnesium boron zinc think. <laughs> but also some of those ones are then used for the menstrual cycle so that's why probably zinc i talk about a lot because it's got so many jobs and it's easy for teens to be low in that nutrient because you know adult women can be low so they're probably going to be even lower and that's, that's why really, all of the yeah, really interesting really yeah. and of course yeah and you've said so well mental health vitamin d is involved in as, yeah. is, as is magnesium in making serotonin and dopamine yeah. the list just goes on doesn't it yeah so you so you know it might have this kind of anxious teen who can't sleep properly and you're like oh this is all very new and it's like that's probably a sign that they need to put lots of extra nutrients in because the sleep has perhaps got a bit deranged because all that great magnesium and calcium that you'd have for the nervous system and for helping them to kind of unwind that you know unwind from the day has actually gone into their bones if that makes sense yeah it does completely. yeah yeah so i can't i can't help but well no it doesn't matter to give wild nutrition uh, a really great plug here because mm -hmm. their, their products uh, specifically around this uh, their multivitamins and minerals because people are probably listening think ruts writing all of these down thinking oh my god yeah. so um you've got some great so there's a teen teen girl and teen boy teen boy yeah we've spoken before that there comes a point where then actually we need to think about our girls is actually moving into a different product yeah and I and funny enough actually I would you know I would give a, a girl that's gone to uni the teen girl product because the other one to mention is that you know once you've got them through a levels and they've gone to uni they're actually another they are another whole subcategory risk area once they've oh, gone to yeah. uni because you know hope and I'm sure your daughter when she goes to university will be amazing because she'll have all your cooking skills but lots of teenage that. girls you know can't cook don't want to cook you know and then you've got the booze and the going out and the late nights yeah. and the new friends and all that and things I just keep seeing photos of my nephew who's just gone to uni and I think he's out every night nearly all night so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah which is, of course is great fun but again you've got more and I've seen situations in fact I've had clients where they've said my daughter did a year at uni she got completely freaked out totally anxious got some food stuff going on isn't really all right it's very stressed we've actually taken her out for a year so you've got to look after them at that point so again I would continue the kind of the rules around more 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 nutrition way up to 25 because that's when the brain you know stops its kind of major construction phase essentially the other things also to mention and i know we'll, i know we'll talk about um vegetarian and vegan diets as well and and yes yeah, yeah. but omega-3 i think you know is a real issue in this country in terms of intake because i don't think well us brits don't really love oily fish like like they do in other countries like you know spain or italy and teenagers again 
because they're going through loads of changes, you'll probably find that their appetite changes or their 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 love of certain foods. So your wonderful, you know, little child who loved avocado now thinks that's horrid. Yes. And you're like, uh, hang on, what? what happened? What happened? You said you loved salmon and now you no, no, I don't like salmon. Or yeah. things like, you know, my friend Katie at school said that it's 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 terrible to kill fish and I don't want to eat, you know, so you've got that going on too. So they're really influenced by media narratives their friends so omega-3 is going to be really important for their brain it's the raw material of making these hormones so it's going to be supporting that menstrual cycle um again if you've got very active teens who are in you know sports uh, sports teams or yes. gymnastics or really really busy you're thinking about you know joints yes. um, you're thinking about the immune system and again, if you happen to have a teen that unfortunately has developed, say, endo or PCOS, yeah. you're thinking about major control of inflammation and just generally helping the whole. So there's, you know, omega-3 is like, what doesn't it do? My God, you know. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, and I just, you know, tend to find I, I just just pick your battles. I just think don't force your teen who hates mackerel because you'll just be sitting there grumpy and not happening. Yeah. So, so I think that's fine to put them onto a fish oil. And remember with, with what I'm saying in that is you're giving them a fish oil, which is actually for an adult. Because I've had parents who've said, oh yeah, I got them a kid's fish oil. And I was like, well, they're not, they're, they're not a kid anymore. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, so actually, and again, wild do, it's not a, it's not a large capsule. So no, they're small deliberately. Yeah, small. Omega. And Omega is totally ethical, ridiculously clean. So, you know, if you've got a teenager who's worried about ethics and things, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, it's yeah. So certainly, you know, the two foundational items I would say would be multi, uh, you know, fish oil. And then if they've got things like poor skin or mood things going on, might be considering say more magnesium or they can't sleep you know that's a good one or they're getting uh achy legs we have a bone complex like growing pains yeah yeah so you can start kind of interspersing and actually again because they need so much more i'm less worried about them having you know too high levels essentially they need more than you and i need tanya nutrition wise yeah 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 i mean they're just, yeah i mean every part of them is growing and developing yeah, and yeah. yeah you just can't keep yeah. up with it and then i think the other one i'd say would be a probiotic because there's a lot of really interesting emerging research looking at the teenage microbiome yeah let's talk about that yeah and actually looking at how dysbiosis in the in in the gut so for you know listeners that means you know anything that's kind of out of balance but also things like overgrowth of bacteria or yeast and this is also when you might start to your teenage daughter might say hey mum I think that I've got thrush or they don't even know what that is or I'm a bit dry you know down there and so you're you know because the hormones are very up and down mm -hmm. this also affects the kind of vaginal microbiome and then rest rest of the gut because also you have a relationship between estrogen and our kind of gut bacteria so what they found in research which we kind of know anyway but it's even more fascinating around teens is that if they've got a gut that's not working properly or you've got overgrowth of bacteria it really affects their brain and this is where you can see also the onset of other mental health things so putting in probiotics as a product but also looking at what they're actually eating like are they having too much sugar are they getting enough like you know fiber are they getting enough you know vegetables you know like classic gut advice essentially but yes. it's going to be super important if you've got a teen who says that they've got low mood who says they're anxious who's even potentially developing some more serious psychiatric symptoms you know or even little things like teens that have got ocd 
eating eating kind of issues which are really common at that time that so that there's a re that's a really interesting segue that you've made there so there it because it comes at a time where as you've said your 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 child has will eat anything that's been put on their plate and <laughs> as they then sort of move into secondary school and beyond much more in control of and they're sort of going out to Starbucks and they're doing so yeah. the, the amount of color and fiber which mm. is the main fodder for the listener that actually encourages what we're looking for is is I describe the microbiome like an like the uh, an ecosystem like the barrier reef and we want that barrier reef that gut microbiome to be have depth and color and different different varieties and different species and every sort of and if we and what feeds that uh, is color and fiber from our plants. Yeah. And and so this comes this crucial time where these hormones are changing also comes at a time where they are eating out more. They are not. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a there's not an, enough of that fodder going in. So that point is is so interesting is around around that impact of the change. It's like the lights go out. Think about it like the lights go out in that microbiome. And so therefore, then it's it's not communicating by the vagus nerve to the brain and, and it can be mm. a tipping point, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, we were in our notes, we were talking about uh, looking at things like, you know, blood sugar in teens and foods yes, that they're eating. So, you know, blood sugar has a really strong impact on mood. Um, and so mm -hmm. actually if you've got quite a, I mean, you know, all teenagers are moody to an extent all the time, including how I was when I was that yeah, age. Yeah, of course. It's kind of the norm. So when I say if you have a moody teenager, mums will be listening going, uh, isn't that all teens? Yes. But, yeah. you know, if you've got particularly, you know, moody teenager, you know, you want to be thinking about, uh, you know, how blood sugar is affecting that. And actually, when I look at, I've looked at a lot of food diaries of teenagers, mm -hmm. and there's two sort of common areas that I see that they don't get enough of or they get too much of. So they tend towards more, more kind of simple carbs yes and that can repeat through the day because also there's a lot of the sort of like rushed eating of cereal and then kind of can you do you want to give us some examples of because we maybe some of the listeners might not quite know what simple carbs are so yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know so examples of say a more simple carby breakfast would be having a piece of white toast and that's it um, rather than having really good kind of whole grain kind of loaf or even better like things like sourdough, uh, you know, teens might be having very um, refined cereals because also they're popular, they're cool. And we both know that they're not just kind of more often more simple carbohydrates. Well, they're not all of them, uh, but also quite, you know, very low in nutrients. This is why also when looking at the back of packets of foods, if mm -hmm. they're having to fortify foods, you should be suspicious because it probably means that there's just not much there. Um, and actually, I even know some teens that are having a coffee and then running out the door yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. And then at school, if they've got school dinners, you know, and I, and I you know, I'm not going to bash a, a, I'm not going to bash a baked potato because we all like one once in a while. But teens will probably gravitate towards. I mean, I've seen things like they'll have half a plate of chips. So you've got, you know, you've got, and it's not just the chips there that of, of the potato. It's like super deep fried. So you've got simple carbs that are now very inflammatory. So it's not great food. And yet it's tricky for having school dinners because not all schools can really get it right. But if you've got a teen who's had white toast in the morning and had nothing else, gets to school, kind of has a whole load of chips and stuff, 
and that's it and then gets to the evening and you serve them quite a carby meal that's lacking enough good vegetables complex carbs color yeah. and protein and good fats you can see how they've kind of gone their whole day without getting much goodness yeah you know? yeah yeah yeah, and when and you know with blood sugar, if they are eating you know simple carbs or you know less complex things, that basically means that the sugar delivered into their body is much is much faster. So you end up with definitely the highs and the lows, and we've all been there. You know, yes. you're like, ah, and then it's kind of, oh, I hate the world. Um, and actually, with the menstrual cycle, and this applies at any any at any life stage, if you're experiencing PMS symptoms. And you're and you've got blood sugar issues kind of going on before your period. The PMS is is often much worse. And when I get women to make kind of diaries, they're like, oh, you know what? I start to see a pattern now. If I don't eat that well that day and have a lot of, you know, simple sugars and not good fats, uh, complex carbs and protein to kind of balance everything out and effectively keep your blood sugar balanced, I will be much more up and down with my mood. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I can, I think this is a nice time to sort of to bring in that this is a very uh, common age group to start to rule out entire food groups. So yeah. either, either truly because it's ethical, um, mm -hmm. but in my experience, it is, it can be quite an easy excuse to rule out a food group for an ethical reason when there is the beginnings of some disordered eating that can occur. Yes. Yeah. Um, this can impact obviously. So we're talking vegan vegetarianism and um, this will impact all aspects, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, I have had very real serious chats with, you know, with teens where I've essentially had to say, you're very keen on being vegetarian or vegan. So therefore, there's two things here, which is that you need to prove to me you can actually eat properly in order for me to even allow you to go on to that or looking at your baseline health and other symptoms that are going on. This yeah. is not suitable for you to do this at this life stage. If you want to do that, then you can do that when you're like 22, 23, 24, um, because also it's that classic thing. And, you know, with clients is that someone will go on to a restrictive diet for whatever reason there is and they probably had nutrient gaps before they did that yes. so now you've got and that so so let's pretend that person's like 30 well that's not great wow okay well if you take a teen they haven't maybe just got gaps they've got even extra gaps because they are growing and developing yes whereas at 30 you're kind of like you are kind of thing you know not always but do you know what I mean so yes. so you know that's why that's why if I take on teens like that I kind of almost say I, you know you have to run the gauntlet of, of doing everything that, that I've said right in order for me even to sign you off that and then what's the reason for that well you know as we know menstruation you're losing nutrients and so nutrient status needs to be much better but you know I think there's a common misunderstanding that we can get some of the same nutrients from vegetarian vegan type foods that you would get from meat and fish well they're not in the same forms no, they're not. and actually not to get too complex for our listeners but there's a lot of um, of changes and development that's going on such as methylation which i won't go into but that um biochemical kind of system or pathways yes. requires yes. certain b vitamins it requires things like zinc requires magnesium at really decent levels so if you're starting to exclude foods that would be rich in those active forms of those bees for example that's the key word now, for the listener it's the yeah, active forms, active forms yeah. the, the bees and iron 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I might get these and these are all real, real things I've gone through in clinic. You know, teenagers that we do, we have symptoms that are showing low B12 and we've yep. also got blood test results. And you're matching that against a highly anxious, frazzled kind of teen that's like this. And remember also frazzled and anxious when you're 30 something or 50 looks different. But for teens, it can be I mean, really awful, like almost as if they are absolutely locked and, and frozen because they haven't got the adult brain to uh, to almost, you know, sort of logify out of it. So yeah. those active forms of B vitamins are going to be really important. Getting lots of iron in because also people think, you know, iron is, is just for blood, blood oxygen. But if you look at, again, biochemical pathways, iron will feature in loads of places and is Everywhere. a really important catalyst. It is, it's one of those ones that I call the, the gunshot to get everything yeah, yeah, yeah. going off like bang off you go go and do it and so actually I heard, it. I heard um rob ryan roundtree who is a lecturer that uh, lorna and i will have listened to many times many many times and he said something he is that iron forms the backbone of every single mm. enzyme in the body and that yeah. just stuck with me for a decade yeah. yeah and that's it right there and you and it's called heme iron mm. and the non-heme iron that we get in spinach and green leafies uh is just not active enough and no no mm. and we know from research by the way that i mean this is quite chronic there is there is you know uk national chronic low levels of things like folate so folate is thrown around a lot and only thought about as something for you know for for fertility and pregnancy yeah. but going back to methylation is utterly critical and by the way you don't know your genes or you might do of your teen so your teen might have higher needs yes. for some b vitamins and things like folate way more than their friend who's just gone vegan at school absolutely so this, is, this, this is the problem with a one size fits all also for diets and we know that's not you know there's other things like fasting or keto might suit different people but this is i would say is not the time to run the experiments around taking foods out and certainly if there needs to be foods removed because there's an allergy or intolerance suspected that should actually be done under, under supervision you know because you have to really make sure that you are not taking things out that are going towards you know growth development healthy cycles etc so actually uh lorna was talking about you don't know about your genetics um, the the all of this information um is would be so helpful if for any listener uh, that is interested to also run uh, a life code GX nutrient yeah. test. You are awesome because they you're then you would be getting information about all of the nutrients that um, your child or you if you take it might have just a slight genetic variant to and yeah. a greater need and they also yeah. test for lactose intolerance genetically yeah 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 i'll give you a good um, a good example with me so i've done all my genes i love life code they're brilliant and actually i was saying to my mum my mum is vegetarian or she had she has fish and we were allowed to eat meat and fish as kids in fact she thought it was really important for us and we had always good quality things and grass fed and all that so I had a very good childhood and i was looking at some of my b12 snips so some of my pathways around b12 some of the they're, they're all right they're not perfect yeah. i was saying to my mum if you had decided that i was had to be veggie when i was you know child or teenager i would have been constantly struggling to get enough of what I needed so I said thank you very much for being such a good mum 
and that it's proved that that was a good thing by the genes later on that I end up you know sorting out when I get older kind of thing and looking at it so actually if I had a baby I would you know I'd want to do that from the beginning of going right I know what I'm looking at now for rest of, you know for the rest of their life in terms of do they have a higher need for some nutrients or not and that could be even things like vitamin uh, D absolutely they're going to have a lifelong issue with you know getting levels up does that mean I need to make sure that when they're a child and teenager that I'm you know supplementing or posting them outside and going go outside and play for another yes, half an naked, hour run around naked go outside, <laughs> let, me yeah. let me embarrass you and talk about it when you're 21 yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh okay um I know that we are sort of coming to a close but I would love just to ask you uh one more question if I may around oh, yeah. Uh, around skin health, um, mm -hmm. because this is actually something that is very close to my heart. Um, my daughter did experience sort of a real change in her in her skin health, and interestingly enough, she became veggie for a, a, eighteen months um, mm -hmm. and around all of those. But very the, the sort of the medical route is very much sort of to go down Roactane mm -hmm. um, or to go on the oral contraceptive pill. What, We've we've talked about the microbiome and the importance of that. You've also mentioned really shining the spotlight on the omegas and the nutrients in terms of are is there anything else that you would look at that and consider um that we have in our more naturopathic toolkit um, when we're thinking about skin health? Yeah, so if I'm looking at skin health from a menstrual cycle point of view. I'm thinking about um, herbs that will actually just you know, essentially allow that communication from the brain down to the ovaries to work better. And the reason for yeah. this is if I'm seeing skin outbreaks, which are related to the cycle. Yeah. So I love herbs such as like ashwagandha, Lovely. herbs like Don Kwai. Um, at Wild, we don't use, use Agnes Castus, but I do use that with teens. Um, that's a very good uh, herb also for regulating the cycle as well and also helping to support more progesterone yeah. so I find those types of things if it's to do with that type of cycle balance are kind of important for you know alleviating skin issues if it's to do with excess androgens so we're thinking of things like you know excess testosterone which does is much more normal at that set and actually you get kind of these you know higher levels of testosterone quite normally coming up in those teenage years which is also yes. accounts for why teenagers can be quite irrational and have quite big outbursts because they've got quite they've got kind of up and down levels of that going on yes. and again if it's if it looks like it's sort of slightly more almost pcos like type skin actually herbs like saw palmetto are really helpful helps to kind but of always but but do but obviously only through a nutritionist or a yes, exactly. yeah that. yeah but i'm just just kind of explaining that all these things are like possible to do um in terms of balance and i think you know i find i find those things are really 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 helpful but again it goes back to if also if it's cycle related i'm thinking about again omega-3 from the cycle balance but also inflammation nice. and you know you want to get even if the teen skin the problem's kind of gone away then they're self-conscious and of course you want them to have nice skin about acne scarring yeah so then I'm thinking about again making sure that you've got enough you know healing nutrients as well which is why at, at while we have a really good product called the immune support which sounds, sounds like it's just for uh you know healthy immune system but actually I find it really good for you know for healing the skin for sure 
and getting, you know, again, getting enough protein in the diet. So even if you've got a slightly frosty teen who doesn't really want a proper breakfast, having a protein shake is really good. Yes. Yeah, particularly if you put oats and avocado in and some berries to kind of bulk it up. So for teens who are like, oh, I don't want, I can't eat anything, that's quite good. But protein is really important for healing. Yes. So important for healing. I think not yeah. enough is there. And particularly if your teen is very active and quite sporty, if you've got quite a muscly teen, so if you've got a teen that's in the rowing squad or something, yeah. you want to be giving, giving them, you know, one kilo of, um, uh, sorry, one gram, gram of protein to one kilo of body weight as well, okay. because they're athletic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah really important and that segues back to sort of what um circles back to what Lorna was saying about we think back to the classic breakfast of or, or classic day uh of rushing out the door on a cereal and then sort of then they're left to their own devices at lunchtime and then if they're coming home going straight to the bread bin for a waffle or toast because they're yeah. out, they're they're hangry <laughs> Yeah. Um, then there's no protein. So there's not enough protein yeah. for growth, repair. It's so everything that Lord Brain, is Yeah. Just, and just and um, you can find that, that there's obviously links between dairy consumption and skin oh. outbreaks. And it's a tricky area because obviously, you know, I would be wanting to promote good quality, like organic kind of dairy products because, again, it for the, you know, for, for the nutrients, for growth. But if you're finding that the, that the teen is reacting to uh, to dairy, it's, it's figuring out also how they're reacting. Is it is it cow's milk? Are they better on, say, goats, goats, cheese or butter? So the idea is not to strip it out completely. It's perhaps to even just go for a phase of working out what's the troublemaker and what's kind of going on there. And actually, sorry to introduce. No, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Actually, I um, I just I I was alerted to a really fantastic paper by Dr. Tina um, uh, Tanya Dempsey, and she it's highlighted that so that's a one uh, cows mm. cows dairy, which is very prevalent in this country. Yeah, it comes from it's specifically so you don't need to necessarily trial with ruling out all dairy, but a one oh. dairy is it kind of creates. Um, uh, a particular protein that yeah. some people, or I think it's one in four people, can be very sensitive to. Yeah. And it has a real affinity for mast cells. So it actually causes mast cells to degranulate and cause this yeah. inflammatory response. So yeah. Yeah. rather than saying having to rule out all dairy, just trying to take Try that one. Yeah. And actually, if you and, and um, people need to listen to your amazing histamine podcast because that will go into that in big details but yeah. if you've got a teenage girl who's got who've i'm going to say excess estrogen and listeners are like what what do you mean by that but yeah. if you look at your daughter and she's got quite big boobs but it seems also more excessive she's got cellulite she's got more she's getting more rounded it looks almost slightly like water retention-y a little bit like that mm -hmm. then you've got the mood stuff going on and then you've got the skin going on yeah. I would be looking at the estrogen histamine dairy relationship. Yes. Totally, totally bang on. I totally yeah, agree. and I know I've just kind of thrown that in there. That's why I'm saying listen, listen to Tanya's session on histamine because histamine's like oh my god, a whole thing in itself. But yeah. you can see how you know you've got, and actually also again also mental health stuff because you know dairy can have that kind of opioid like effect. So if like if you've got all if you if if you know if you're ticking a box on all these things I'm saying on your daughter look at that 
all the blend of those things kind of going on for sure. And certainly in, in early PCOS years and early endo years, dairies very much like can be all right and can be absolutely awful. Like, so again, if you have a daughter who has endo or PCOS or other kind of gyny things going on, you've got to figure out what the relationship with dairy is and if that is that a good one and does it need changing, as you say? Yeah. And so yeah. what we're saying here um, is we're not uh, suggesting ruling out an entire food group. Exactly. We're, yeah. It's not all protein and it's not no. even all dairy. It's it's starting with that sort of A1 yeah. cow's dairy would be, yeah. and which is predominantly milk is what it's. And, yeah. and if we think about they're sort of hanging out in Starbucks or Pret mm. and they're these massive drinks these milky drinks that they're that they're having is could well be driving this yeah and, and i teens have a, you know teens they like everything fast and loud and they want it and like so therefore things that are stimulating like coffee and tea are very attractive yeah like if you think you're attracted to them as an adult teens are like give it to me so you tend i tend to find they get into new habits like they never had coffee before so you've got so again you've got more milk intake probably coming in than you did before okay. because they might have just been having a bit of milk with cereal in the morning and that's it now yeah. they're having like lots of cups of tea or coffee all day long as well yeah. and actually on a last point on that you know if you've got a teen who's very stressed out very nervy there's kind of that you know adrenal kind of look in them you know stimulants like that are going to be really bad for them that because they're actually in a funny way they when teens are overstimulated they don't have the same kind of turn off capacity that adults do so they're like a spinning top that just can't stop itself spinning adults have a much better concept of going oh I'm actually a bit frazzled I need to sit on the sofa and maybe just calm myself down teens don't have that regulation yet so stimulants for them are even more stimulating effectively which is another reason why keeping blood sugar stable we could talk for hours my lovely I know yeah um <laughs> I think that is a fantastic place to draw, I would say, a dotted line because uh, I would love to um, bring you back on. Oh, thank you. I'd love to come back. Uh, <laughs> in 2022. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of envisaging having this sort of wonderful sort of outdoor sort of meeting as well and sort of doing a festival yeah. and would love yeah. to come. So thank you. I would love that. And it's a huge honor to be asked onto your oh. amazing podcast. Thank you, Tom. Oh. Oh, so um, just a quick, so to find Lorna, as I mentioned at the beginning, she is a head nutritionist at Wild Nutrition, and yes. that is a fantastic resource for everything that we've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and Lorna also oversees the other, of course, the other nutritionists there, so you can get, you would get really fantastic advice. Yeah, you can um, look into a navigate, Navigated through their wonderful products. Yeah. Yeah, so we have 15 minute consults and 45 minute consults. So you can book in, have a good good old chat about your teenage daughter or son. <laughs> and and we can well. help help a little bit of a maybe maybe a whinge and we'll understand. Um but uh, but I think you know the take home is give your teenagers loads of love, loads of support, even if you think they don't need it, because they said that they're very grown up and they can do it themselves. That's the other thing also as the last thing is to say is that you will need to give them their supplements. I'm not going to remember to take oh, them. No. <laughs> you will follow them around. No. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of the, yeah, it's part of being a parent, but yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Tanya, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you, listener. We will see you again on another podcast really soon. Lots of love. Uh, see you again soon. Bye.